when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black? Carr from under center looks downfield, fires deep, complete. Waller's got it. How about interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Henry Ruggs! The speed! Touchdown! Carr with another bomb! And now, your host, Evan Grote. Let's go, Raider Nation. You are listening to Just Pod, baby. I am Evan Grote. You can follow me on Twitter at egrote5. Please check out the website, justpodbaby.com. And it's game week. Yes, it's only preseason. I know, I know, I know. But I'm still fired up about it. We get to see some of the rookies in action. We get to see some of those players that are battling it out for roster spots in action. I am really looking forward to Saturday night. Some Raiders football, even if it is just preseason football. I'll be locked in Saturday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time and 9 p.m. on the East Coast. As always, Just Pod Baby is brought to you by the one and only independent Raiders news source coming at you straight from the middle of it all in Las Vegas, and that is VegasSportsToday.com. Check out the site for daily updates and stories from our lead writer, Kurt Kern. Lots of good stuff from him that's available for you right now up at the website. Also, a new podcast uh, by Silver and Black Today is available with our host, Scott Gilbranson, and special guest co-host this week, Mo Moten. Scott and Mo, they uh, talk this week about the addition of Gerald McCoy and how the rebuilt offensive line will perform. So make sure you are subscribing to that. Uh, Really good content there as well. And I got a fun show planned for you this week. Two guests on the docket will be joined by Marcus Johnson, co-host of Tape Don't Lie and a contributor at SilverAndBlackPride.com. Marcus wrote a really good story this week that's up at SilverAndBlackPride.com. I was reading it. Had to get him on the show to discuss it. He talked about the Raiders' struggles in the red zone under Gruden. And he also gives some ideas and some concepts that he thinks will help with some of those issues. I wanted to get him on to chat about that. I think you'll really like that interview with him. And then Levi Edwards from Raiders.com. He will join us. And obviously, he's out there in Henderson. He has boots on the ground. So we're going to talk to him about what he has seen through the early stages of training camp, heading into the week one preseason matchup with the Seahawks on Saturday night. So that is the plan for you. But at the tippy here, let's talk news and notes from the week. First up, I think it's time that I I have to touch on Darren Waller. He he has now missed several practices. I I think the number is up to nine uh, if you want to count or if you don't count um, Wednesday's practice that was canceled. Um, We still don't know what, what is going on with uh, Waller, which is, is is a little bit concerning, although it's not uncommon at this time of year. Coaches, you know, they're keeping it tight to the vest. They do not have to put out injury reports during the preseason, so they're not going to share information that they feel is a disadvantage to them to give out. Um, and, and I'm sure it's nothing. Um, if it was something a little bit more serious, we probably would have heard about it by this point. I'm sure it's a minor injury. There have been reports that he has been getting some work in on the side. He's just not out there participating with the team 
and practice. It's it's not the time to panic. That's not what I'm getting at. Still plenty of time before week one. I'm sure he'll be back any day now. And I'm not really concerned with, with him having to get himself ready uh, as far as physically. He's in great shape, keeps himself in great shape all year. And, and I'm not really worried about you know the timing and getting rep, reps with the, the quarterback. They obviously already have established a really good chemistry. Uh, but, you know, he is the team's best player, so I do think it's it's newsworthy to at least mention it and discuss it. He is the centerpiece of the passing game, and you want him to be out there, right? You, no matter what, you want him to be out there. But we'll just have to wait a little bit longer uh, for his return to practice. If I had to put a, a number on my level of concern right now with, with Darren Waller's injury, I would say that I'm about a three or a four. So so not overly concerned right now or worried. The, the main goal is to get him back healthy and available for week one. So that's the first thing that I wanted to touch on in the news and notes. The next piece of news that came down on Thursday was the absence of Marcus Mariota. He did not practice Thursday. Um, at the time of this recording, I have not gotten any word on to what, what he's dealing with. Um, and I'm just kind of putting two to two, two and two together here earlier in the week, the Raiders did go out and sign a quarterback. They brought in case Cookus is his name. And I don't think there's any coincidence there that, you know, they bring in a quarterback and at the, you know, a couple days later you see Mariota not practicing, so most likely we won't see Mariota in the preseason game on Saturday, and we're going to have to wait and see with him as well until we get more clarification into what he's he's got going on. And by all reports, he's been having a really good camp. He he's he's looked sharp. Uh, I've heard Gruden comment on his speed out there. looks look looks really fast, and, and and just finally is is back to health. Last year. We heard a lot about the struggles that he was having, and then we learned that there was a, a shoulder injury or elbow that he was dealing with. Um, hopefully, nothing too serious for Marcus. I, I really, I'm really hoping that we see him involved in some packages uh, with this offense this year. I think they could, they need to find ways to utilize him um, and and what he brings, what he could offer to the offense, especially within the red zone there. And, and the final bit of news that I wanted to get into was uh, just a little bit of audio from fullback and good friend of the show, Alec Ingold. He's been on the show twice now, and you hear him each and every week in the intro to the show. But he did meet with the media this week, and I I continue to be a really big fan of his. How could you not? I mean, when you listen to this this, this guy talk, and and um, when you when you watch him play as well, when think about last year, played with that the broken ribs. I mean, that's that's gutsy. But when you listen to Alec Ingold speak, you you understand, it's easy to understand why he was selected as a team captain last year and, and why he's a big part of the culture change that is underway in Las Vegas. So listen to him here talk about playing the position of fullback. Yeah, I think so. The fullback job, like, you know, you're not going to write a whole lot of stories about what a fullback does on a day-to-day basis, right? But, you know, I have to master the fundamentals of my role. And my role on this team is making a four-yard run into a six yards, a, a three-yard catch into a five-yard catch, giving Derek Carr a half a second longer. So when I'm on the field, I'm trying to make everybody else better. I'm trying to help people. And when you're saying there's more more things, you're finding more and more ways for fullbacks to help the offense out, to change it up. When I run out on a field, defenses strap up a little bit tighter because they know it's either going to be run, it's a play action, you know, there's not a whole lot of secrets. But it's a gritty position that not a whole lot of people like to do because you don't get your name written about all the time. And it's, it's things about, 
you know, those little plays. It's like, it's like running through a block with all the effort you got or 75% is changing, you know, a three-yard run to a five-yard run. And that, that's my job here. So it's not glamorous. It's not fun. Uh, there's not a whole lot of stories written about it, but that keeps the offense on schedule. When you see a lot of a fullback and a lot of 21 personnel, you see a, a lot of on-schedule football, a lot of second and short, third and short. You know, that's the type of football that we need to play. So I'm sure a lot of you have heard that uh, audio already, but I wanted to play it for those of you who did not. And, you know, he is a person, he totally gets it, doesn't he? When you listen to him speak, he he understands it so well. And it's not a glamorous position, the fullback position. Kids trying out for flag football or, or um, youth football, I should say, or middle school football, high school football, nobody's raising their hand to play fullback. That You certainly need to have a certain mentality in a mindset for that position. And he has it. He understands. And, and, you know, fullbacks, they are a dying breed in the NFL, but we know Gruden loves the fullback position. And I think the Raiders have a really good one in Alec Ingold. Uh, not only the a, a really good player uh, for the team, but a good teammate, a good locker room guy, and a great representation for the Raiders off the field as well with all the stuff that he's, he does off the field. Uh, nominated last year for the Raiders uh, as the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. So I I wanted to play that for you. And and those are uh, just some of the news and notes from the week. It was a little slow on that front. They, you know, the Raiders were given that surprise day off on Wednesday. They're going to have another day off on Friday in preparation for Saturday night's game against the Seahawks at Allegiant Stadium, the first football game uh, at Allegiant Stadium that will be played in front of fans in the new digs. And I'm not sure how much we will see of the starters in this first exhibition game, especially guys like Josh Jacobs. I, you will not see him, I don't think, at all. Incognito coming off the injury at his age. Probably won't see a lot of him. Um, you know, maybe I'm hoping a series or two from some of the high-end starters. I would like to see Yannick Ngakwe get out there maybe for a, a few snaps. Um, but, but I would not be surprised if you see Derek Carr on the sideline holding the clipboard, probably won't see him. Um, I'm excited to see a lot of the younger players though. That, that is what I am excited about. Some of the, the rookies, right? The 2021 rookie class, Nate Hobbs, Malcolm Coons is a guy I really want to see live and in action. What he, what kind of juice he has off the edge. I want to see Tanner Muse. I want to see him get some reps. He's a, he's a young guy in year two. We, we've heard some good reports about him and, and, um, so I want to I want to key in on him, and then I'm going to be focusing on you know just the defense as a whole and this new scheme, and and how players are adapting to it. Are they playing fast? Do guys seem like they know what they're doing? Are they able to to fly around, make plays? I want to see some of the depth that we've heard about on the uh, um, on the defensive line. Solomon Thomas, I would expect him to get a very decent look. Uh, on Saturday night, and, and so those are the, some of the things that I'll, I'll be uh, looking for defensively. On offense, I, I'm hoping we get to see a glimpse of some of those offensive linemen. I, I want to see Andre James. I want to see Alex Leatherwood. Uh, John Simpson, he could be battling it out for a um, you know a starting role or, or some serious playing time. Even Brandon Parker. I want to see how is he continuing to progress uh, in, in his, what, th- third year, I believe, fourth year? But, um, you know, and as far as some of the skill position players are concerned, you know, 
Bo, Bo Scarborough, he was brought in just a couple weeks ago. Is, is that signing, is that a real thing or is he just a camp body? I want to see. We've heard about some of the other backup running backs that are in the mix. I want to see some of these young guys get out there and what they can do. I want to see DJ Turner and Dylan Stoner at the wide receiver position. Maybe not guys who are going to make the team because it's a it's a log jam at the wide receiver position, but maybe candidates for the practice squad. So I really want to see those two guys out there. Um, again, just just some of the, the the some of the names that I will be looking forward to on Saturday night. Is there a player? This is what I ask you. Is there a player that you are most excited about to see uh, Saturday night? And not only Saturday night, but all throughout the preseason. So let me know that. Uh, you can you know how to get a hold of me on Twitter, DM, or through the website justpodbaby.com. Now there is one final topic on my list here that I want to get to before our first break, and then we'll welcome in our our guests in segment two, is the depth chart. The Raiders did release their first version of the depth chart. And, you know, we don't want to over uh, overly analyze this. It's it's um, a lot of times, you, you, I'm sure you've heard, it's, it's put out by the PR team. I don't even think the coaches have a whole lot of say in, in these depth charts. Um, so we don't want to, you know, look too much into it, but it was released. And, and of course we're going to discuss it here on the show. Not a whole lot of surprises. I will run through it quickly for you. Starting with the offense on the line, you've got Colton Miller at left tackle incognito James at center. Denzel good is, is right now he's listed as the starting right guard. I thought there would be some competition there with him and John Simpson. Right now, it looks like Denzel Good has has the lead for that job, and then the rookie Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. I would not expect to see that offensive line uh, change at all before week one, um, pending an injury or something of that nature, but um, that, that should be your offensive line heading into week one. Um, Going over to the the wideouts, uh, wideouts you have Henry Ruggs and, and Brian Edwards along with Hen- Hunter Renfro. No, no big shock there, right? They all won sport- starting jobs out of training camp a year ago, and so um, no shock there. Darren Waller at tight end, and in the backfield, Carr, Jacobs, and Ingold. So that is your Raiders offense. We know it's a good one. We know it's a good one. It was a top ten offense a year ago. They can score points. Um, they need to get better in the red zone. We'll talk about that with our guest Marcus Johnson here in just a few moments. Um, but that is an offense that we believe should only continue to get better. The question that remains, and it's something that I've touched on quite a bit here on the podcast, is how will the rebuilt offensive line perform? Is Leatherwood, is he the real deal at right tackle? Can Andre James fill in for Rodney Hudson? Big shoes to fill. And I think there's a little bit of a concern with Richie Incognito. If he can stay healthy at his age, can he be healthy and productive at the age of 39? So those are all valid concerns at this point in the season that I have. We're going to jump over to the defense. Now the front four, you have Yannick Ngakwe, Max Crosby on the edges, uh, Quentin Jefferson and Jonathan Hankins on the interior part of the defense. And I'm going to mention the backups here for the defensive line because we've heard a lot about the rotation, the depth that they plan to use here. Gus Bradley wants to rotate guys in and out. So I'm going to go over the, the backups here uh, on the defensive line. And keep in mind, this was released prior to the signing of Gerald McCoy. And we've gotten glowing reports from him in just his first couple of days with the team, but uh, I think he's a serious contender to make this team. On the edge, they have Carl Nassib listed as a, as a second teamer, along with Clee Farrell. And on the inside, you've got Niall Scott and Solomon Thomas. 
as the tackles. I'm a little bit curious as to why I don't hear Darius or see Darius Darius uh, Phylon's name listed here. I'm not quite sure. I don't know much about Niall Scott to be perfectly honest with you, but that was one of the things that uh, kind of caught my attention when I looked at the the second team uh, defensive line. At linebacker, you have Tanner Muse at Sam, Nick Morrow as the Mike, and Littleton at the Will. We discussed it last week with Muse. No, don't be surprised. He has the speed and athleticism that Bradley covets at the position. And don't get overly concerned about him being listed at the as a one on the depth chart. I'm glad that we're getting some positive uh, feedback from him because he's a guy that did not play at all last year, struggled in training camp when he did play and missed the entire season to injury. So the fact that he's now considered a one, that's a good sign. Uh, I know some of you are concerned about Nick Kwiatkowski, who they went out and signed in free agency just a year ago. Where where does that leave him? Um, This is the base defense we're talking about. We're talking about that 4-3 base defense. You probably won't see much of that defense from Gus Bradley. In fact, I have a really good stat uh, for you here from our friend uh, B.D. Williams, who was the other host of Tape Don't Lie. He tweeted out this week, and and it's a really good stat. I'm going to share it with you guys. According to Sports Info Solutions, Gus Bradley sent out the base defense, the base personnel, 66 out of a possible 997 defensive snaps in 2020. (laughs) So not a lot, right? 66 times out of 997. So you may not see as much Tanner Muse as you might be thinking right now because you see him listed on uh, the depth chart as as the starting Sam linebacker. So uh, just something for you to keep in mind. We're going to move back to the secondary. Trayvon Mullen and, and Casey Hayward are locked and loaded as the starting corners on this team. Nevin Lawson right now is listed as the starting uh, slot corner. Um John Abram and Trayvon Merrig as your safeties. And I, I, I forgot to mention Merrig as one of the guys I'm really, really uh, excited to see play. I don't know how much we'll see from him in the preseason, but um, you know, not sure if we'll see him on Saturday. But, but once these bar- bullets start flying for real, he, I, I think he's going to be a big-time player for this defense. And, and some of the things that he can do, uh, he's got range and and ball skills, and I'm I'm hoping that he can help this defense generate some turnovers, so really excited about him. But that is your depth chart um, that was released this week, heading into week one preseason. I am up against it right now. Time for a quick break, and when I return, we'll be joined by Marcus Johnson of Tape Don't Lie and Silver and Black Pride. Uh, as well as Levi Edwards. A lot to still get to here this week. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, part of the Vegas Sports Day Podcast Network. You're listening to Just Pod Baby, part of the Vegas Sports Today Podcast Network. Let's go! And now back to your host, Evan Grote. Well, we've had a lot of reps. The reps are not the problem. Um, we're going to play the Rams, get a lot of reps down there also. We want to see our right tackle play a little bit. We want to see our new center play a little bit. We've got some young players that are competing for jobs that need to play a lot, so we're going to look at them. A couple of veteran guys won't play, um, but you'll see our, our first-round draft choice, and you'll see our young center. 
And welcome back to Just Pod Baby. And there you heard it from Coach Gruden. He answers the question that I had earlier in the show. Will we see from Alex Leatherwood and Andre James in the week one preseason game? The answer to that question is yes. And I'm pumped up about that. Really want to see what these two guys are all about. Um, just a quick programming note for you here before we get into our interview. Um, there will not be a show for you next week. I, I, I do apologize for that. Uh, we've got a quick little, brief little family getaway plan for a couple of nights. And, and then I've got a visit from my brother coming in who lives out of town. So I just won't have the time next week to record. But uh, you, you should expect to hear from me the following week at some point heading into that final preseason game against the 49ers. All right, with that out of the way, I'd like to go out to the phone lines now and welcome in our first guest this week, and that is Marcus Johnson. He's one of the hosts of the very popular YouTube show, Tape Don't Lie. Marcus is also a contributor at silverandblackpride.com, and you can often catch him as a frequent guest on Raider Nation Radio as well. Marcus, I know you're a very busy man. Thanks for the time tonight coming on with me this evening. No problem, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, looking forward to the conversation. So, so Marcus, I was talking a little bit earlier in the show about um, the piece that you wrote this week for silverandblackpride.com, and, and it was all about the Raiders' struggles inside the red zone, and I thought it was really well done. Um, I recommend everyone goes out there and reads it, and I want to ask you to expand on on that a little bit, but before we get to that, um, I do want to ask you about a couple of other things involving the Raiders' offense, starting with the offensive line. So, Big changes okay. occurred to that group in the offseason. Obviously, one one of the more notable changes that occurred was at the center position. Andre James, he's going to step in now as the starter with only 116 career snaps under his belt. Could you share with us some of your thoughts on Andre James as he steps into a starting role here this year? Uh, well, yeah, Andre James is a very unknown player. I mean, he didn't play at all uh, last year, I suppose, on special teams. So, you know, when they had uh, some some issues – with the offensive line, they didn't even think about like you know, you know, putting him in at guard. So it's it's somebody that that they've been keeping you know uh, underground for for the longest. So he's about to come up, and we're about to see how he plays. Um, I mean, the last time he played, he didn't play very well. Um, you know, a lot of people killed me on Twitter on that for for kind of talking about that because it was just one game. But you know, people were hyping up that game, so I decided to go watch it. I'm like, oh, hey, maybe you know he had a great game, and, and it was it wasn't a great performance. So he he definitely. Um, will have to be better than that if he wants to be a, a starting center in the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to see his growth. Um, you know, you know the growth of John Simpson, in my opinion, kind of uh, makes me feel a little bit better about the growth of Andre James because, I mean, obviously there's something, you know, Tom Kibble's doing over there that he's got these guys going and working hard, and he's probably he's figured out a system, you know, with the growth of Colton Miller and some of those guys. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see how he plays, but – I think Nick Martin behind him is a steady guy. So if he does play bad, which we hope, because I mean, they're t- you know, the beginning of the season, they got some tough pass rush coming in. You got the, the Ravens coming, they're going to blitz all the time. And then you got the Steelers and we already know about how they are with their pass rush. And then you got, um, you know, the, the, um, the blitzing of the Dolphins coming right after that. So it's going to be a lot of movement. He's going to get tested early. We're going to figure out how good this offensive line is real quick and uh, see if he's up to speed. Because if he's not, he's not going to be playing that long. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. And and I, I think uh, we're going to know pretty early on what, what this offensive line is, is going to be capable of. Like you said, they're going to be tested early. And I'm sure a lot of these opposing defensive coordinators are going to try to test not only Andre James up the middle, but they're going to want to see what Alex Leatherwood can do on the edge as well. And it's one of the themes that I have been on much of training camp, and it is the offensive line as a whole. Um, I still believe it's a question mark with this team. I personally have some concerns still with Andre James uh, and his lack of experience. Um, as you alluded to, you did some film breakdown of him, and I recall you you putting that out there on, on social media. I recall your some of your analysis of him, and you know, despite the feedback that we've heard from coaches, they they seem to think he's he's ready to go. Um, Alex Leatherwood, yeah. I talked about him. He he is still a rookie, and I know that he was very uh, well decorated at college, uh, in college, I should say, with L. Alabama Outland Trophy Award winner, all those great uh, accolades. I'm not doubting the talent of that player, but as we talked about, he's going to be tested early, and and and, and I'm sure there could be some growing pains along the way for him as well. And then you've got the guards, Richie Incognito at age 39, coming off the the injury that he had. Denzel Good for a full 17 games. I'm interested to get your level of confidence though with this offensive line heading into the 2021 season. Uh with with the offensive line, um, it, it's going to be interesting because you know Alex Leatherwood is, is going to be a great run blocker from day one. I, I believe that he's going to be. I mean, he's probably one of the best uh, run blockers in the draft. I mean, you can make the case that he was the best run blocker in the draft. And it, it always when I when I talk to BD about this, I always say that if, if this was two thousand three, uh, nobody would freak out that he went in the first round, right? But you know, this is a passing league, and uh, he ha- he did have some a little bit uh, of issues with some of his technique when he was uh, in, uh, um, against the pass rush. But from the looks of camp, I mean, it looks like he, he cleaned that up a little bit. But, um, you know, it's, he, he's still he's, he's a rookie, so he's going to struggle. I mean, you maybe we get a we get lucky, get a little Tristan Worst type of performance, but you're not going to fully expect that from him because he's not that advanced as a, as a, as a pass blocker yet. So he's going to have some struggles um, with some of these pass rushers, especially in the, the AFC West. But as a run blocker, I think he's gonna uh, he's he's gonna show out a little bit, so he's gonna be good good in that system. And I think they're gonna be able to run the ball better, I believe. I think, but you know, the pass is gonna be a little interesting how they how they are against the pass. I think if Incognito can stay healthy, I think that's gonna be great. But I mean, he's 38, so we don't know how that's gonna go. Um, you know, but you know, John Simpson behind them, I think Simpson has a lot of potential. I think he, he's gonna surprise people if he actually gets a chance to play. I think in the preseason, if he gets a lot of uh, a lot of chances to play in his next preseason, especially if he's playing against twos, it's going to look like uh, I think he's going to put on a little bit of a show and might end up taking that job from good. I still believe it. I know a lot of people are saying it. it's not going to happen, but I still believe it a little bit. So, you know, Colton Miller, he's a, he's a steady pass rush guy. And I think I think Carr, you know, last year the line wasn't that good. You know, it didn't perform like they usually do. And I think Carr still was had one of his, his better years. So I think Derek Carr is going to be fine. Um, I think he's going to get, he just, he might get the ball a little quicker than we might uh, want, but you know, when the offensive line starts uh, building a little bit, I mean, they'll probably start throwing down a field a little, little bit more, but we're, we're going to see probably a lot of uh, quick passing, you know, getting rid of the football, especially against some of these blitzing teams to try to get the, the offensive line warmed up and hopefully he play action because that's going to help out everything. But you know, John, he's decided he hasn't, he is, we, it's been three years. Who knows if he does that? So we'll see. 
Marcus Johnson is our guest on Just Pod Baby this week, host of Tape Don't Lie and contributor at Silver and Black Pride. Uh, all right, Marcus, I want to shift gears here to the story that you wrote this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we all know the Raiders, they've had issues in the red zone under John Gruden. And, and I like that in your piece, um, you, you also pointed out that this problem for Gruden goes back to his days in Tampa Bay in the in the 2007 in the 2008 seasons when when those offenses ranked near the bottom of the league uh 26th and 30th as well in red zone scoring now since Gruden has come back to the Raiders in 2018 the offenses for the Raiders have been ranked 23rd 22nd and 23rd in red zone scoring so again near the bottom half of the league and despite having a top 10 scoring offense a year ago there is still room for growth here with this offense. So in your story, mm-hmm. you lay out not only what you think the cause of the issue is, but but also some solutions in your opinion that could help. So let's start there. Uh, the first idea that you suggest is to utilize, as you just mentioned, more play action on first down. So why don't you go ahead and explain to us some of your thought process there and how that could help this offense in the red zone. Yeah, because, I mean, they're, they're a run-heavy team. So the Raiders are a super run-heavy team. Uh, they're, they, I mean, they basically ran the ball a lot in the red zone. I talked about in the article that Josh Jacobs had. He led the league in carries uh, in the red zone, but um, he had the lowest touchdown percentage of any guy in the red zone who had more than 10 touchdowns. So, you know, Alvin Kamara was like 35% of his uh, red zone carries as a touchdown, and Josh Jacobs, you know, only 17% of his. So it, it, it's a big difference in how the running game was working. So, and, and then on first down, they ran the ball 75% of the time uh, in the red zone. So, I mean, it was predictable. So the best way to take away that, uh, you know, the team thinking that coming into week one, week two, is to start doing some play action and be heavy with that on first down. I, I think that will open up a lot of things, you know, do, do a lot of play action, maybe some four, four verticals in the play action when you get to the 16 or something like that, or, you know, do play action when you're at the 10. Cause, cause I mean, their biggest issues are inside the 10, you know? So, uh, I mean, that's, that's where they got to get more creative is inside the 10. And I think play actually can help a lot. Uh, one thing I did with the article is I tried to look at the better red zone teams and try to see what they were doing um, and, and how they how they were being successful. And that was one thing I talked about uh, the green Bay Packers. I mean, they, they led the league in, uh, in, you know, red zone uh, efficiency. There's like something crazy, like 76%. And they play actually on 57% of their um, first down. So, I mean, that's, they just open everything up down there. So it just, it just works out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, one of the, the the causes you think for some of the struggles you mentioned was Gruden getting stubborn with the run game and, and lack of creativity. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I'm totally with you on that. And I'm not the X's and O's guy that you and BD Williams are. Uh, but, you know, it's clear to me when I watched these games last year and then when I compare it with some of the other offensive play callers that I'm seeing in the other teams, it's clear to me that obviously, as you said, the Raiders were just a little bit more predictable. And I, I would, you know, tweet that out often, uh, you know, need more creativity in the red zone. And I love that you pointed out um, what, what Green Bay was able to do, you know, 50, 57% of the time, as you mentioned on first down, they're running play action pass. So I really think you're on to something there. And I want to get into the second idea that you discuss in your story, and that's to get slot receiver Hunter Renfro more involved. Talk to us about why you think it's imperative to see his number called more often in these situations as well. I, I think, um, cause you know, when you get into, uh, inside the red zone, um, you, you got see a lot more press coverage. You see a lot more tighter coverage. 
And I think that's what Hunter Renfro, probably the best thing that he does is, is he has a great release against press coverage. Um, and, and once, and once he has that ability to, to win outside, um, not really outside. I mean, you don't have to line them up at like the, the X on the, you know, the, you know, the, you know, deep, you know, by the hashes or whatever, not by the hashes, but like by the numbers, you don't have to line them up out there, but I mean, you want to get him into some of those condensed spaces where he can go to work and, uh, you know, run a slant, you know, or, or, or run a, a whip route, which is basically like a slant and then back out against press, you know, so he's, he can beat somebody off, you know, um, you know, off the line and they can go inside and could go back out against, you know, and, you know, get open, you know, cause some separation down in the red zone. Cause that's one thing the Raiders are missing besides Darren Waller is somebody that can separate in the red zone. And, you know, back when the Raiders were better in the red zone before Gruden got there, I mean, the, the difference is they had Amari Cooper and they had Michael Crabtree. So Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree were able to beat press coverage and they were able to give Carr open players inside the red zone. So, and I think that makes a big difference. Um, you know, uh, some of the, you know, because that's just what I'm saying. I studied a lot of the, the good red zone teams. You got like guys like Jarvis Landry. Uh, you know, he's not he's not really a, I would say, a outside, you know, big X receiver in the red zone. And but he he's got that ability to win in in close, you know, in close spaces, right, in tight spaces. And since he he can win in tight spaces, he's able to get open. And it, it gives uh, uh, it will give the quarterback like Baker Mayfield a, a easy window to see when he's running in the red zone. So I think Hunter Renfro could do that. I mean, if there's a play um, against uh, Denver Broncos in uh, 2019, you know, where he got a lot of targets that game, and uh, he he, was, he did that in the red zone. He he, um, I mean, they weren't able to connect on the play, but he was he, he was able to show his release against press. He was able to get open. So I think that's something that you know that. You know, I think he, he's got to get a chance there because somebody's got to replace Aguilar's red zone target. So I think it might be somebody like him who can get open. And, you know, you just can't depend on the fade route. Because I know people were like, well, what about Brian Edwards and the fade? But, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's there. But you also want somebody else who can win, you know, one-on-one and just get open. Yeah, and you also have some some really good data in there about – everyone's belief like myself football fans like myself who watch these games and we're saying what well, well, use that big tall bodied receiver out there to run those fade routes you have some data in your article to to support your reasoning why that might not be the most successful option out there and so I recommend everyone goes to check that out um, and, and then your your final idea that you have for John Gruden in the offense in the red zone and I, I hope he's listening I hope Gruden's out there listening because I think these are some really good ideas that you have here you know, we all know he wants to pound the rock. That's in his DNA. But simply lining up, as you said in your piece, 22 personnel and, and playing smash mouth, that hasn't worked out so well. So maybe adding an extra offensive lineman and going with some unbalanced looks, that that's something you think that might benefit this this Raiders offense as well. Yeah, because, uh, um, you know, I, I went, when I was studying and uh, reading up on this article, that's what I found about the unbalanced lines because the Saints, they ran 39 plays in the red zone with the rushing with about like six linemen on the field. And like even the better teams like the Bills, you know, like the 49ers, they do a lot of unbalanced lines inside the red zone. So, and the Raiders didn't do that once. They haven't, I, I didn't I mean, I look past 2020, but they didn't do that once last year. There was never any time where they had six linemen on the field where they were doing unbalanced line and try to punch somebody in the mouth. Cause I mean, it, it, it's, it's still, Technically, 22 personnel when you have 
two line, uh, uh, the six linemen on the field because, you know, he just comes in, he's a tight end, right? And, you know, that that's it's basically the same thing, but you have another lineman. So, you, I mean, you got the some of these uh, swing guys they have that they, they like, you know, you kind of just throw them in there and, you know, have them just go forward and, you know, get that push. And I think it will help a lot with how he wants to run the football inside. And then, you know, I, I also mentioned like how you could, you know, add trick plays off it too with, uh, you know, throwing passes to linemen and stuff. And, and but that kind of opens everything up, you know, if you bring that unbalanced line, you know, they get, they have to account for that guy. Most of the time they don't, you know, so it's, it, it just, it just adds creativity to the run game in my opinion. Yeah. And Marcus, I've got one more for you uh, before I let you go here in regards to the offense. I'm interested in getting your uh, opinion on this. Kenyon Drake is one of the, the guys that was brought in uh, during free agency, and he should help lessen the load for, for Josh Jacobs. But in terms of red zone usage, in addition to the, the ideas that you just laid out, do you think that Gruden would be wise to incorporate Drake and not only his running ability close to the goal line, but maybe some of his pass catching skills as well inside the red zone? Oh, oh, 100%. I agree with that, Evan. I, I think that Drake should be a key part of it. Um, I mean, honestly, I think he's a, a little bit of a better short yardage runner than Josh Jacobs, which sounds crazy, right? It sounds like he's, you know, he's not even the size of Josh Jacobs, but it's the truth. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of a, uh, a talent there. Like you see some of the best guys just score touchdowns, you know, like Marcus Allen, just, he just finds those creases in short yardage and just scores touchdowns. It, it, it's just a, a, an innate talent that you have. And sometimes, you know, I'm starting to think that maybe Jacobs doesn't have that short yardage talent right now. And Kenyon, he has that. So it's gonna, you know, if if Jacobs can't get it done inside the one or inside the three, um, you know, Drake is going to get it done inside the three. Like that's that's just what he does. All nine of his touchdowns were inside the five last year, so he has that ability to just find at the end zone. You know, he that's a talent he has. I think it's like a couple of years ago, he had he had a game where he had four touchdowns in the game, and they, I mean they're they're all they're all around the red zone. You know that he's all he's getting the ball inside the red zone and making it happen. So he just he just has the talent to get in the end zone. And I think they have to use him down there, especially if, if Jacobs isn't getting it done. Like if you run the ball inside the five and Jacobs isn't, isn't, can't get in and you want to run the ball again, I think it's time when you just throw Drake in there or throw both of them in there to kind of throw somebody off and then hand the ball off to Drake, whatever you got to do. But uh, you got to mix it up. So I think he's, he's going to be a key cog to this team. So. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there. And, and I also wouldn't mind seeing uh, a little package from Marcus Mariota, you know, get him on the field yeah. inside the run zone as well. But I, I think we can all agree, all the listeners out there, there needs to be more creativity and less predictability. That's that's the issue here. Marcus Johnson, thank you for your time. Give him a follow on Twitter if you don't already, at the Mark John NFL. Subscribe to his YouTube show, Tape Don't Lie, and show him some love by following his work over at silverandblackpride.com. Marcus, keep up the great work, my friend. All right, thank you. I appreciate you having me on, Evans. Always, always a great time. All right, great stuff there, as usual, from our good friend Marcus Johnson. And I love chatting with the guys from Tape Don't Lie. And I tell you, I was thinking about this after we got off the phone. Wouldn't they be great, him and him and BD Williams? Wouldn't they be great to watch a game with? <laughs> I mean, they'd probably get annoyed with me because I'd be asking them about a thousand questions. You know, what, what are you seeing here? What do you think about this? <laughs> but they'd be fun to watch a game with. Maybe I'll set that up. Maybe. Uh, you know, I can get them together. We can get on Zoom or something, and we can uh, we can pretend like we're in the same room. I mean, 
if uh, if students if if kids can attend school over Zoom, then, then why can't I watch a football game with some friends, right? Right. So uh, anyhow, enough of my jokes. Let's let's keep this thing rolling and let's bring in my next guest uh, this week. I'm really excited about our next one here. Looking forward to getting some real insight straight from Henderson. He's been out there every day at practice covering it for Raiders.com. Levi Edwards, thanks for the time and, and welcome to Just Pod Baby. I appreciate it, Evan. I really do. Yeah, glad to have you on. And as I said, I'm looking forward to uh, speaking with you because, you know, you have boots on the ground and, and have firsthand knowledge of everything that's been going on. And, and you're as close to the situation as anyone who covers the team. So let's jump right into it. I want to begin by asking you about a couple of young wideouts in Henry Ruggs and, and Brian Edwards, both entering their second seasons. I think it's fair to say they didn't exactly have the rookie seasons that you know I think fans um, would have liked to see from them. But what what have you seen uh, thus far in training camp uh, from those two? And should Raider fans be excited about what's in store for them in year two? I definitely think they should be excited for what they are going to see out of Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. And once again, I wasn't there for practices last year. I didn't, you know, there wasn't a real true training camp process. I can't say where they were last year, and I can't attest to that. I know that they had some problems with injuries. They had some problems with COVID uh, and the whole nine yards, and everybody had to deal with that last year, so I completely understand that. But I noticed that they look more focused on the field. They look very focused and determined. It's a sense of seriousness when they step on the field, and they just seem like they have great chemistry. And what I love about them is when you interview, when I interviewed them and when I talked to them and you mentioned about their rookie season, you mentioned about the difficulties they had, they just seem very Terminator-esque. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, you know what? That's in the past. Leave that in the past. This is this year. This is 2021. And we're going to go out here and ball, and we're going to prove why we were first-round picks, third-round picks, starting rookie wideouts in Carolina. Those guys that you thought we were going to be, we're going to be those guys. And they proved that to me on the field every day in training camp this season. Now, one of the other big storylines heading into training camp was the rebuilt offensive line. It looks like there's going to be uh, a couple of new starters uh, on that group. Rookie rookie right tackle Alex Leatherwood uh, at right tackle, and then the center Andre James. And I've I've seen some some early reports on Leatherwood. He appears to look like he belongs uh, with this group in the NFL. He's he's really pulling his weight right now. But but what are some of your early impressions on both? Uh, Andre James and Alex Leatherwood as as starters for the offensive line in 2021. Well, I got to be honest with you, Evan. Uh, Andre James, to me, going into training camp, he was the guy that I wanted to see the most. He was the guy that I felt like had the most to prove to me because, of course, they trade away Rodney Hudson, who's arguably the best center in the league, and then they re-sign Andre James and then make him the starting center. And then you kind of think to yourself, okay, well – I know they wouldn't have done this if they didn't have confidence in Andre James, but I haven't seen him play. I don't know what he's capable of. And I know you can't, you know, Rodney Hudson is a definitely a, a top-tier player, and it's kind of hard to replace him. But at the same time, I really like how fast Andre James is playing off of the ball. That's the one thing that's stood out to me the most is how fast he plays off of the ball. And for some guy, for a guy that hasn't taken a, a snap of center and God knows when, you know, and any time at UCLA, any time since he started playing center when he first got here. So for him to transfer over to that position and be as good as he is now, uh, he's really impressed me. And I'm really excited to see what he does in in-game action. But he's looked really good. He looks the part. He knows the system. And he plays really fast off the ball. 
same thing with Leatherwood. I feel like Leatherwood, of course, he's going to have his growing pains just being a rookie in this league. Everybody does. There's no exception. But when it comes to athletic ability, like strength and athletic ability, by far Alex Leatherwood is, you know, on, on top. He's one of the strongest, most athletic guys on the team, let alone the offensive line. And for him to play with the speed that he does at the size he does is incredible. So he's one of those guys, of course, uh, once he really can adjust to the NFL speed, once he can get a clue for how things work, he's going to be a very great player, I feel. And I feel the Raiders also understand that he will be great as well, and they have a lot of faith in him. And they came out day one, general manager Mike Mayer came out draft day, took him and said, he's our starting right tackle. There was no questions about it. Drafted him two hours later, he was like, this is our starting right tackle. And he's been the starting right tackle from mini camp to OTAs through training camp to now. So I'm really excited to see you play in Seattle. Our guest is Levi Edwards of Raiders.com, kind enough to give us a few minutes of his time here on Just Pod Baby. I want to jump over to the uh, defense now. Lots of changes on that side of the ball. None bigger, though, than the the, the new uh, defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley. And I know it's early, only a couple of weeks into training camp, but we do get the sense that, that things are different on the defense. And I'm not only talking about from a, a personnel and a, and a schematic perspective, but, but do you think that the players seem to be responding well? And are they buying in uh, to what Gus Bradley uh, is bringing to the table and, and his style of coaching? I think the coolest thing, and this is how I knew like this is going to be legit, is a couple of days ago in practice, of course, there was all these reports about the defense going off and they committed five turnovers, they got five turnovers and all this crazy stuff. And I was there in person. And honestly, the defense was kind of having a lackluster day. Uh, they were kind of just going about the motions. And then Gus Bradley, you know, who's the guy who's very, he's very calm, cool, collected, very, very nice guy. Uh, I really like Gus Bradley. Like he got on the field and he started yelling and he like was like, hey, you need to turn up the intensity. You need to clean this up right now. And as soon as he did that, from the moment he did that, the defense took it to another level and they were getting hype. They were playing for each other. They were really balling out. And so for your defensive coordinator to get you on that level in training camp with nobody, with a couple of the fans watching, and a couple of reporters watching, and you're getting hyped up off of your coach doing that in practice, imagine what that's going to be like in the game. And I'm really excited to see them. They have a lot of cohesion. I, I really like the game plan that he's bringing in. I love little things that he's doing in terms of kind of like what he's going to do with Abram, kind of like bringing them up in the box, kind of having them play that Jamal Adams-type safety position. we got Merrick, and Merrick, I feel, is going to be a, a sleeper defensive rookie of the year if he stays healthy how he looks right now honestly uh, he's very great in coverage and the defensive line has a lot of depth and I, I feel like it's going to be a good year for the defense I feel like the past couple of years of course you look at them statistically and they've been at the bottom of the NFL and I think this is going to be the year where they try to step it up and I definitely think they can be a middle of the pack top 15 top 16 type defense this season and that's Really a, a great climb when you think about it from going from 27th, 26th, uh, a couple of years ago being the last, dead last defensive team in the league to being a top 15 defense. I feel like that's a great accomplishment if they can stay healthy and buy into the system. 
Yeah, that's great to hear. And I'm, I'm sure all the listeners out there got a big smile on their faces hearing you say that about the defense. We know that in order for this team to take the next step and get into the playoffs, they, the defense much uh, must play a lot better. And, and you know, you, you kind of um, led me right into my next question. I wanted to ask you about two specific players on the defense, and they're both players that you just mentioned, Jonathan Abram and, and Trayvon uh, Merrig. Let, let me just start with Abram. Uh, you know, are you expecting a, a bounce back season from him here in year three? I, I hope so. I really do. He definitely has a lot of physical talents and physical abilities, and uh, I, he, they're definitely trying to get him to tone down. And something that I heard Arnett play, is, uh, Arnett say, my apologies, he said today is, you know, I'm still going to bring that physicality, but, you know, he, he learned how where to take his shots. He learned, like, you know, I don't have to make the big play every time. I just got to do my job, and then when time comes, the time comes. And I feel that they're trying to get Abram into that same mindset as well, where they don't, where he doesn't play out of control. He plays in his own, you know, with control. He plays smart and he does his role to the best of his ability. And I think that Abram is one of those players that's really going to benefit from this new scheme because all respect to Paul Gunther, he's a great, he was a great defensive coordinator. I feel that he had his system and he didn't really do enough to try to fit the system with the personnel he has and Bradley has come in and he's looked at his personnel and he's bringing a scheme to cater to his personnel. And I feel that he's doing everything in his power to make sure that Abram can succeed in this defense. So that is a good sign in my opinion for definitely a leap that I can see. And as for Merrick, Merrick is a guy that I was very surprised was still there in the second round. And when we draft, when, when the Raiders trade up, to 43 and got him, I felt like that was a great move. And, of course, uh, Ron Miles, he said last week, he wants to see a little bit more consistency out of him. And when his time comes, he, he will be ready. And I definitely think his time will be coming very soon. Final question I have for you here, Levi, before I let you go. Uh, you know, as we talked about, you've been out there. Uh, you've been on top of it all for Raiders.com. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Is there a name out there, you know, 90 players out there right now trying out for this team? Is there a guy that you that's kind of caught your attention, maybe flying a little bit under the radar that most fans probably aren't aware of who is, who's impressed you that you think has a chance at making the 53-man 53, 53 roster when camp breaks here in just a couple weeks? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, can it just can it be anyone or yeah. do you want maybe yeah, it could be like it a could UDFA it or? could be anybody anybody who you think that maybe you know the, the the average fan would be a little bit surprised at that you think is kind of you know turning some heads out there. Uh, one guy that really strikes my mind right now is Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs is a guy that plays really hard. He plays with a lot of passion and he knows what he's doing. Of course, he's another one of those guys that uh, needs to be very consistent. And uh, that's another guy Ron Miles was saying, like, when his time comes, when his time comes, he'll be ready, but he needs to be more consistent. And Nate Hobbs is someone that's really stood out to me, and he's someone that is really being eased into that nickel corner spot, and he's always played outside, so this is new for him, and he's trying to, you know, pick it up as quick as he can. And he's kind of in a fight with Amik Robinson and Nevin Lawson for that spot. So, of course, uh, Nevin Lawson, he might, he's going to be suspended the first two games of the season. So I feel that if Nate Hobbs can continue to do what he's doing on a consistent level, especially throughout the preseason, he'll be able to put himself in a spot to where he can really be productive at that role. 
and he could potentially be the starting nickel cornerback going into Baltimore uh, if things play out the way I see them. So I definitely feel like he's an under-the-radar guy, fifth-round pick out of Illinois, was coached under Lovey Smith, who's a great coach, uh, very disciplined, very, uh, very smart, very smart guy. So I, I really like him a lot. Yeah, Nate Hobbs, he's one of the guys that I, I, I've talked about. Uh, I talked about him last week on the show and – uh, you know, one of the guys I'm actually really excited to be, uh, you know, to check out here on Saturday night in, in the preseason game. So, you know, great insight there from our guest, Levi Edwards. You can follow him on Twitter at the Levi Edwards. I recommend you do so. Thanks again for your time, Levi. I appreciate you and, and keep up all your good work. Most definitely, Evan. I appreciate you, man. You keep up your good work. Big thanks to both of our guests this week, Marcus Johnson and Levi Edwards. And that does it for this week. That's a wrap. Another show in the books. I hope everyone enjoys the game on Saturday. We're going to have plenty to discuss here in the coming weeks with the start of preseason games now upon us. Until next time, everyone, I am Evan Grote. This is Just Pod Baby. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, just win, baby.